Welcome everyone to the first ever Phil in Exile podcast, uh, episode number one, hopefully of many, um, in which we will talk about, well, whatever comes to mind, but we will also take thoughts and ideas and topics and questions from you nice people uh, as they become available. Uh, today's topic is going to be something just kind of light, um, human nature going to talk about human nature. But I feel like first there needs to be um, just a little explanation as to why I'm doing this, like a little introduction. What what in the world is the Phil in Exile podcast? Um, you know, I think it really comes from the fact that, uh, let's be honest, um, there just aren't enough voices of middle-aged straight white males out there. I mean, I think we can all agree on that, that um, that's just a, a, a vacuum. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, what, why the world needs another person talking like it needs a hole in the head. But here's the thing. What I've discovered is I, I have I, I quit my job to follow my wife's career, which was, I think, a great decision. Um, it involved moving to a completely different country. Um, hence the sort of play on exile. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that I've been sitting around thinking, so what am I going to do over here? And everybody asked me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now that you're not, you know, doing what you were doing before I was teaching before, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I, I've realized something about myself and that's that I, I have no definable concrete skills um, outside of thinking and talking. That's it. I don't have, I'm not good at anything else. I don't have any other things I can do. I can't work with my hands. I can't like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't, it's, it's sort of shocking. I've survived this long, um, into my fifties. I, I don't know how, but the bottom line is, is all I know how to do is, is think and, and like find words about things that we think about. That's it. That's all I've got. And, you know, some of it comes from growing up in kind of a thinky household. I had very sort of uh, smart, uh, intellectual, articulate parents. So they, too, um, were sort of short on the skills. Like, we didn't, like, do, like, big, uh, you know, family adventures and outings. And uh, we didn't go run marathons. Looking back, might have been helpful if we had um, gotten a little bit more in touch with that. But, you know, hey, whatever. But the gift my parents gave me was that... They kind of said, hey, the world's a fascinating place. You should think about it and be smart about it as best you can. And so that's what we did. And like, I don't know, you know, I, that's what I grew up thinking. And so I, I, I ended up that way myself. And I, I got a degree in literature, mainly for the money, let's be honest, because I just knew how, I knew how, I can't even say it with a straight face. I can't even... I knew how wealthy it would make me. <laughs> yeah, that well. And then I doubled down and got my my master's degree uh, at a seminary studying, you know, theology and religious education. So again, really, really came from a household that didn't know how to uh, monetize anything uh, that didn't involve your brain and uh, and words. That's really, again, all I've got. So. But I've managed somehow to survive this long with that. And, and the fact is I have time on my hands now. 
And what I what I'd prefer, what I wish I could do is have conversations with everybody. I wish I could have just sort of nice, comfortable conversations over, you know, a, a, a cup of coffee or a, a, a glass of something lovely or a meal. But unfortunately, I'm again in another country and uh, and and I'm also, you know, in a different time zone than everybody else. So usually when I'm alert and awake is not when everybody else is alert and awake. And so the best I can do is kind of take some topics and some ideas from people that uh, I know who've offered them to me and I can think about them and try to respond. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I have time on my hands. I want to keep thinking and uh, hopefully not get dumber in my uh, waning years. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to talk through some things and uh, I, I, that's why this podcast exists. I guess you could say it exists because I'm bored and I don't know how to do anything else. I'm not really bored actually. I'm not bored. I have plenty of things to do, but I I like talking to people. And so you, whoever you are, I don't think there's any listeners at this moment. As I'm recording this, I realize there's no one actually listening, which is odd. But I'm assuming somebody will listen for at least a minute. My kids will listen for a couple of minutes before they're like, oh, brother, I know I know the shtick. I know what he, oh, brother, not no more. We'll see. We'll see. There were people in my past who told me, Phil, you ought to do something like this. You ought to do a podcast. So we'll see if those people listen and subscribe. And if they don't, I'll have my feelings hurt and I'll become bitter. And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just uh, have to deal with that as it comes. But, um, you know, in the meantime, I, I have this week in which I thought, why not? Why not put something down on audio and get ready? It's Thanksgiving week. Um, and he, and I'm living in a country that doesn't really celebrate Thanksgiving. So it's a little surreal. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm over here in Germany, left the U S in August, came to Germany. Uh, my wife got a job. And so we're over here now we're in a city that has a pretty large uh, enclave of Americans, enclave, enclave, I don't know. The, the French police are going to get me on that one, <clears throat> but I have a pretty large, contingency that's i should have chosen that word of americans living here and so you know there's there's definitely sort of a little bit of a halo effect you know people are are kind of familiar they know there's something going on that americans like to stop and pause and and uh and eat a lot um i mean we kind of do that all the time uh it is an american pastime but um and and i could go to base and and i could get all the american stuff for a thanksgiving meal right because that's what this is about i mean it's you, you basically i mean thanksgiving is we you know we're going to stop and pause because it's important to celebrate uh you know commemorate that we stole a country from its indigenous people um sorry i hope it's too soon i don't know anyhow um we have this meal we have a big meal we're going to eat and uh that's afterwards we'll uh unbutton our pants and take a nap that's, I think that's, do I have that? I think a lot of people watch football on Thanksgiving. I was not a football person, but I know that it, I heard it happening in the next room with my brothers, my parents. So, um, but anyhow, uh, we're here in, in Germany and they don't, they don't do Thanksgiving. They do other things. They have other, other exciting things, but it's not a Thanksgiving place. And, uh, and it's it's funny because, you know, in America, people, there's this sort of battle between the people who, uh, you know, want to start celebrating Christmas in, in September. They want to start decorating. And the people are like, no, you must have 
all the holidays and they fight for Halloween and then they fight for Thanksgiving. They're like, we don't want to see anything red and green up until the day after Thanksgiving. Um, well, they don't have that hindrance here. And they don't really do Halloween here either. Like, the, I don't, you know, going door to door and, and demanding uh, candy is also not a thing here. We had one person come by our door and it was an American family. That's it. Uh, we had one one group uh, of, of American kids come to our door, all from the same family. And uh, then my wife and I ate the rest of the candy. It was it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, they, they don't have any reason here not to go ahead and start going for it on Christmas. And it's funny because, because I thought America did Christmas up pretty big. But let me tell you, it is no joke here. I mean, I, I've heard people sort of claim, you know, I don't know if this is how true this is. I'm sure lots of countries are going to argue over this. But there seems to be some historical evidence that really Germany is the country that, quote, invented Christmas. And what they mean by that is not Christmas. I mean, because we all know Christmas is about the fact that Jesus definitely was born on December 25th exactly. Um. No, the idea that that it should be this sort of festival, this party, this feast, this thing, that was kind of a a German sort of initiative, if you will, and and so they they do it, man. I again, I thought I'd seen some serious um, Christmasing going on back in America, but it is it's like nothing compared to here. So. Then not so much on the decorating the houses, although I am seeing trees and things going up and and lights, but they're much more I mean, I think it's inside they like the 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 goodies. So that they have first of all, there's a Christmas market that opened up on Monday right here by my house, walking distance from my house, and they've got this Christmas market down in the city center. And it's, you know, and they've got rides and music and they and all these little huts that sell uh, mulled wine and um, and little treats and desserts and yummy things. And, and it's open every day from 10 to 10 until New Year. And um, I mean, I'm going tonight. It's 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 pretty cool. So that's just happening all the time. And, uh, you know, and I went down yesterday to the market, not to go to the Christmas market so much, but to go to the little farmer's market next door to pick up some vegetables. And and there were already people like at 11 in the morning, they're like, we're going to start the glue vine now and we're going to have some ribacucan and we're going to, it's, it was, I was encouraged. Those people, they are going to enjoy their Christmas. And, and then you go to the grocery store. So I go to this place called Globus, which I'm sure I'll talk about a lot on this podcast because it's kind of my North Star here. Uh, it's like a Walmart that doesn't suck, okay? And I'm sorry if you're a big Walmart person, but it's like, it's not, it doesn't have that sort of we're trying to be fancy thing like Target. You know, like I feel like Target was always a little bit of the poser of department stores because it was like, it's is it really that much nicer than Walmart? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Now, now I've got Walmart and Target people angry at me, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, what are you going to do? So Globus is kind of like a super Walmart or a super Target, They but they have much better food. Like their cheese counter, though, and their meat counter is like bigger than Whole Foods. And it, I don't know. It's just the quality is very high. Anyhow, I, I go there because I can get almost everything I need there. And they're very good about letting me do my VAT repayment that I, I do, value added tax. Anyhow. That's another story. But 
I, I was at Globus and I, I walked in and, and they have a section devoted just to advent calendars. And I, I did not know how many companies make advent calendars, but they have a section that is as big as like the, the upstairs floor, the, the first floor of my home. They have a section that's huge with hundreds upon hundreds of different uh, advent calendars ranging from like you could, I think there's one that has like um, colognes in it, one that has like um, little toys in, there's Legos, there's chocolates, there's wine, beer, liquor. There's, I mean, there's, there's a, there's an advent calendar for anything you want. You can get 24 days of that thing, man. And it is, it is, there's a lot of them. I could not believe how many there were and they can run up in price very expensive because they have some things that have like nice things in every one, like, like, you know, jewelry in each one. It's crazy, huge amount of advent calendars. And then I turn the corner and I go around and there's the Christmas decorations, which I, I, I can't get super excited about cause I'm just not really into Christmas decorations, but I could see past the Christmas decorations and I got all tingly inside because I saw the chocolate section. They have a whole section devoted to chocolates and chocolate covered things. And, and again, this section was about the size of my home. Imagine walking into your home and you're just like, oh, my, my wife has replaced all the furniture with, with like stands of chocolates. And each one was devoted to a different company. So there was like, you, you had like the, the Milka brand and then you had like the, the Lindor and Lint brand. And you had, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it was over. Like I didn't, you think, oh, well, I just put 27 things in my basket. I almost kind of got paralysis. It's like looking at the movie selections on Netflix. You're like, I just looked for 10 minutes and then when I, I'm going to go, like, I don't even know. I, I ended up grabbing a bag of chocolates just to put in a basket basket here at the house for guests. But it was, it was so overwhelming. It was like, I didn't even know what to do. You know, I mean, in America, I, it was pretty straightforward. I was going to get Reese's peanut butter cup, Christmas trees. We were going to get the multicolored red and green, uh, Hershey kisses, you know, like there, there was, there were things that were staples, but man, here I, I was overwhelmed. Anyhow, they, they're not joking about Christmas. They really take it seriously. And it's in full swing. But see, that, but the whole point here is that it's Thanksgiving week. And they, they don't care about Thanksgiving week. They're not, they're not celebrating Thanksgiving. So <clears throat> I can go to the base and go to the grocery store on base that has American stuff and get American things, right? And, and that's what I did. Cause I kind of have the best of both worlds. I can go get all the stuff that Germany has to offer at my local grocery stores. And then I can go to the base and I, I can get things like, like jellied cranberry sauce. You know what I'm talking about? The, the can of, of jellied cranberry that like when you pop the top and you pour it out, it literally comes out this log, this cranberry log in the shape of the can with all the like indentions and pressings of the can body are in the same like little cylindrical blob of cranberry jelly, that, that stuff, man, I, that's my, that's my childhood right there. I love that stuff. And I got some of those and I got some like Pepperidge farm stuffing. And then I, we, you know, like you, you get the stuff that, that sort of you go, Oh, this is American stuff. And, and we're having some people come from France 
Um, one of whom is, is a American expatriate living over in Paris. And, but then her boyfriend's coming and I'm like, I don't, I feel bad. Cause I'm like the first time I'm meeting this guy, they're coming in on Thursday and then we're going to sit down to Thanksgiving dinner. And is he just going to be like, what, what is this, this weird American food? Like, I don't know, you know, normally if a, if a Frenchman's coming, then I'm thinking, well, I need to like go watch my Jacques Pepin videos and brush up and try to do something nice. But I'm like, no, we're making turkey and stuffing and sweet potatoes with candied pecan topping. And <laughs> this is pumpkin pie, baby. Like, this is what we're going to do. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's just, uh, it's just, we're going to have a good old fashioned American Thanksgiving dinner. And, and and then here's the other piece that's funny is um, over here they don't they don't celebrate Thanksgiving but they have really adopted Black Friday <laughs> so there are already signs up for Black Friday and Cyber Week and whatever else so you know the shopping is going to be taking place but I don't I'm not really a shopper so that's not my gig but uh, yeah so we're, this is the time of year you know it's holiday season I'm in this beautiful country looking at the leaves changing and the weather changing. And I'm going to eat a big American Thanksgiving dinner and then uh, the trip to fan will hit and I will pass out listening to my first notes of a Charlie Brown Christmas album playing on the, the sound system for the first time of the year because that's the ritual. But that's the week. That's that's where we're at. But I, I said I was going to talk about human nature. That was the point. I was just uh, letting you know what life was like here this particular week as I'm starting this endeavor, this podcast that no one will listen to. But um, I, I promised uh, that I would talk about human nature. And the question comes from a friend of mine, former colleague, Jeff, who, uh, who said, how have the events of the last 100 years, specifically the most recent ones, shed further light on the age-old question of whether humans are inherently good or evil? Hypercapitalism, social media, progress and civil rights, access to the internet, rabid partisanship, etc. Just to name a few. Well, thank you, Jeff, for the question. I picked yours first because I like you better than anyone else. Um, no, I, I don't like Jeff better than anyone else. He's delightful, but I, I picked it because I figure you can't get any more basic than this question. Are humans inherently good or evil? And I'm calling this a human nature question because here's the thing. When you say good and evil, I've noticed something about this discussion. If you say good and evil, two, two things happen. One is it becomes, uh, it gets super moralistic in nature in the conversation and you, you start to have people go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, hold on a second. What's your definition of good? And, you know, and so we'll address that in a sec. But then you also, you also have this scenario where you say the word evil, right? Like, you never notice nobody has a problem with good. They never go, well, I object to using the word good to describe humans. They, they object to the word evil. And it's because it's, it's like a super hot charged word, right? It's a big deal. You say the word evil. And, and I think it's because nobody wants to be labeled as evil, right? Um, nobody, wants, nobody, nobody wants that label. And so what happens is they immediately push the word evil off to the far extremes of behavior. And this is like where, what is it, Godwin's Law, you know, the invoking of Hitler in an argument. Like, this is where people are like, well, I'm not Hitler. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, congratulations there. That's setting the bar high. Um, right. You're not Hitler. Um, if, if Hitler's the definition of evil, like if he's the starting point of the conversation about evil, we have a problem. 
right? Because I, I'd, I'd like to suggest that there might be some shades of evilness that fall a little below, say, genocide. I think you can do less than Hitler and still qualify as evil. And so, you know, again, the conversation when we say good and evil, it just kind of goes off the rails because people are like, whoa, don't call me evil. Don't call me. Okay. So I, I'm going to couch it in different terms. I'm going to couch it in different terms. And I'm going to say, do you think people are inherently selfish? Like, are people selfish jerks by nature? And I see I added jerks there. But let's just pick the word selfish. Because selfish has a connotation of, of being not good, right? Like we teach kids, don't be selfish. Share with your sister, you know. Don't be selfish. We, we tend to use the word selfish in a negative connotation, right? So if I say selfish, do you think humans are inherently selfish? A lot more people are going to go, uh, yeah, probably, chances are. I think that's probably true. Again, if I say evil, they're like, hey, slow your roll, buddy. But if I say selfish, and then if I if I say self-interested, if I change from selfish to self-interested, people are going to go, oh, definitely, and they're not going to see it as a problem. So here's, here's the thing I would say about this is first, we have to ask ourselves, you know, do it, it, whatever, whatever we're going to agree on in terms of terminology, evil, selfish, you know, you name it. I'm going to pick selfish for now just because I think it's accessible. I think people can grab hold and not feel too threatened by it and think I'm being too like Sunday school, good and evil. Not that I'm yelling about Sunday school. I certainly went to a lot of it. But, um, you know, if I say evil, it kind of flags the conversation. I don't want to flag the conversation, at least not yet. Um, so if I say are, are humans inherently selfish, well, then, then we have to ask a sub-question, which asks about whether we're talking to somebody, if you're having this conversation, for example, are you talking to somebody who is thinking of humans in solely materialist terms? And what I mean by that is uh, from a purely biological standpoint, like humans are uh, just another member of the, of the animal kingdom and there is nothing sort of um, ethereal or metaphysical about them, right? Like they're just, we're, we're just, a combination of, you know, uh, sort of uh, instincts and evolutionarily devised uh, sort of movements and, and our, and we have, you know, respond with like chemicals and electrical impulses going through meat and bone and, you know, in our environment and whatever else. And, and it's just, it's just that there's no like question of nature or soul or psyche or, you know, there's nothing sort of transcendent or supernatural or metaphysical going on. So if, if we're talking about that, so let's just talk about that for a minute. If you're talking about that and you're just, you're just talking animal, right? Just purely material. We are nothing more than the material that, that, that we're made up of. Right? So the thing there is, is I think I would prescribe to everybody to go watch planet earth. Okay, go watch the series Planet Earth. They probably have lots of series of them now. I, there was a period of time in my household where, like, all we watch is Planet Earth because it was like the early days of like <laughs> Blu-ray players or DVD play. Like, my kids were little, and we were trying to like, you know, we didn't want them to watch a bunch of TV and rot their brain. Like, they still talk about like we didn't let them watch SpongeBob 
because we somehow thought if they watched SpongeBob, they would turn into smart asses. As it turns out, they can turn into smart asses without watching SpongeBob. Just going to say that. Um, but I, I, we, you know, my wife and I, we had twins. They were the only kids we had. So we were like, we're going to do it right. So we're going to watch educational things. You know, it's going to be great. Our kids are going to be geniuses because we're not letting them watch SpongeBob. And instead, we're going to watch Planet Earth, which I think probably screwed them up uh, differently because they were well for the very reason i'm trying to talk about they were watching animals just destroy each other if you watch planet earth what's crazy is you will watch and see how horrendously violent and and uh survival selfish the animal kingdom is like if i say again that's where i say you know go from selfish to self-interested like the purpose of being alive if you're just a pure materialist the purpose of being alive is to survive to not be eaten by some other animal and to propagate the species right like to to make babies that replicate your dna and keep the species going that's that's really it right eat don't be eaten and make babies that's that's the bottom line like goal of 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 animal existence so if i'm just an animal if that's it which again, that, that's if that's what you believe, that's that's totally fine. I, I don't particularly hold that same view, but but I get it. I understand it. I I see how you get there, and I, I it makes sense to me how you get there. Mm. But if that's the case, then one of the things we like to do is we kind of like to have our cake and eat it too. Because if we're just animals, then then it, go tell me what the animal kingdom does. It I, I'll kill my buddy to stay alive. That's what the animal kingdom does. I know there are very rare examples of things that look altruistic. Like I can remember there was an episode about a, a, a mama octopus who like covers over her little baby octopus jelly eggs and, and goes into a hiding place and, and just hovers over them so that they can, while they're sort of, you know, waiting to be hatched and born, um, she covers over them. And in the process, she dies. And then the the babies pop out of their little, you know, jelly eggs or whatever. I'm very, all my biology friends, my the biology teachers I worked with are like, I, I hate him so much right now. And I get that. I deserve that. But you know what I'm trying to go watch the episode. And they their first act is to eat their mother's carcass. Like she's their first meal. <laughs> like, like on one hand, you're like, that's beautiful. You're also like, that's horrible. <laughs> But I mean, most things are just like, oh, look, these two animals are fighting over territory. And so they will attack and or they're fighting over a female and they'll attack and they'll one will either badly, badly beat the other one or kill the other one and then go take the territory or take the female. And, and that act is certainly not gentle and tender. You know, I mean, like the animal kingdom, if, if we're just animals, then I think I don't I don't think there's any hesitation saying we're selfish and violently selfish almost by design right so so for all my materialist friends out there thinking about this all those people who are like it's don't don't be dragging any of this this uh you know supernatural metaphysical you know religious hoo-ha into the argument okay fine then you're going to be at the front of my line of saying humans are super selfish because we're designed that way like that's the point of survival I have to be selfish to survive. And if it means it's, if it comes down to it's me or you, then I'm going to kill you. So I'm the one that survives. That's how that's going to work. Now, if you're, if you're like, no, I think there's more to us than just the meat and bones. Right. So, and that could now you're moving into a lot of things. Right. But I'm going to just pick the one I know the best. Okay. So, you know, if you go into a religious sort of thought on this thing, then every religious 
sort of construct that I know is looking at how to purify or redeem or save the human animal, right? <laughs> because, because why? Because something's wrong and broken in us, right? So the whole story of most religious or even philosophical thought is that we're prone to not being nice. We're prone to being selfish jerks. And somehow we've got to pray our way out or work our way out or be delivered by God out of our natural tendencies, which are to apparently be terrible. I mean, just look at, look at the Garden of Eden, right? You, people are pretty familiar with that story. You got Adam and Eve and they're put, the, the, they sometimes people miss the, the finer points of this. They know the broad strokes, um, but they miss the finer points. So Adam and Eve are put in a garden that is a paradise. It's paradisical, right? Like it is a garden paradise. Everything is perfect. They are perfect. Um, they're not. They're not perfect as much as they are free from blemish, which is again sort of a subtlety. But the, like they're capable of doing something wrong, which of course, spoiler alert, they do. But they they aren't like don't have a sin nature the way religious groups would describe this. They don't, they're not already screwed up just by being born and they're romping around in the garden naked and unashamed, which that's, I think one of my favorite lines is because <laughs> they're, they're totally unselfconscious, right? Like if I'm naked, the only thing I'm thinking about is the fact that I'm naked and trust me, I'm ashamed. So they're, they're, they're naked and they're not ashamed because they're not thinking of themselves. They are not selfish. They are fundamentally not selfish or self-interested. They are just existing perfectly, perfectly in relation to each other, perfectly in relation to their environment, perfectly in relation to God. Nothing has gone wrong. And then temptation comes in the form of the serpent saying, but what if there's a little more? What if there's a little something, something? God's holding on. There's a little, what if, what if there's just a little more? little something, or maybe you don't need anybody's help. Maybe you can just be on your own. That comes along. And of course the story goes, we take the bait. And what I love is the very first thing that happens is they, they're suddenly aware. They don't go, Oh man, you know, we've sinned against God. We're probably in trouble. They go, Oh, I'm not wearing pants. Like the first thing they say is their, their eyes were open and they saw they were naked. They go, Oh man, I, I'm naked. I, I'm in trouble. I, I'm in trouble. I, I need to get some pants on. So they go from a place where they were completely self unaware to a place where they are suddenly hyper self aware and self awareness and covering oneself is all about the view of the other. Now where's, where's Sartre when I need him, you know, like it's the, the gaze of the other. And so now it's, 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 oh no, we're going to be seen for who we are. We're going to be known for who we are. We, we've done something. And then when God shows up, this is my favorite bit too. I have about seven favorite bits in here. They, God goes, what's going on here? And then immediately they start throwing the other one into the bus. You know, Adam's like, well, it's her fault. And she's like, it's a serpent's fault. I don't, I blame somebody, Hitler. You know, like they, they immediately have to go somewhere where it's, it's not their fault. And they're willing to throw anybody. There's no, well, there's only the one other person, right? Like there's no loyalty at that moment. There's no love. There's no self-sacrifice. There's no, no, this is really my fault. It is a hundred percent about shoving blame. So, so talk about selfish survival, selfish. So I guess what I get to is, is, you know, the, whether you're a pure materialist, then you've got your, you know, animal planet, you know, attacks, and violence and survival mode, or if you're 
looking at it from a religious standpoint, you know, we've, we've taken perfection, we flushed it, and we have to somehow get right with our world, with God, with each other. There has to be some sort of transcendence or redemption in place to fix us because we're broken. So when I come to this question of are we good or evil, and again, everybody panics when they say evil. I don't mind saying evil, but then people are like, you hate everybody. I, I, I don't actually hate everybody. I try, I try to love everybody. And by love, I mean, you know, show grace and kindness to the people around me and, you know, do what's best for them. I'm, I'm not good at that, but that that's the goal. That's the goal. You know, I, I don't, you can use the word evil. You can use the word selfish. I don't really care, but I is, uh, give me a, give me an argument on either one that, that somehow says, no, 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 we're, we're really fantastic. <laughs> I, I think we are unbelievable and amazing and and like the the like we are a wonder to behold our capacity our creativity our imagination all those things but if we're talking about good and evil if we're talking about behavior like given the chance will i do something nasty i that's unfortunately i mean maybe you're way better than me maybe you just you're way better than me and you know people way better than me but my experience ladies and gentlemen <laughs> my experience is that i I've done most of the terrible things I swore I'd never do when I was young. I've crossed most of the lines and the lines I didn't cross are just probably because I'm not interested in crossing those lines. They're just not things that I'm interested in doing. I've, I've done terrible things to people. I'm, I'm not, again, I try to be a nice guy. I, tr I try, but I, I don't, I don't do the right thing, man. I've hurt people that I love. Oh, it's, it's bad. And I can be selfish. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I was, I was the table boy at my house. I was the youngest in the family. And uh, there was a big gap between me and my two older brothers because we lost a, a brother in there at birth. And, and so I, there was this big gap. And so my brothers were like in high school and they were in like sports and athletic activities and, and marching band. And they had things to go to and dates to go on. And so one of my little childhood jobs was I was the table boy, which meant I set the table. My family ate dinner together most nights, which was kind of cool looking back. Um, but we, I, my mom liked to have the table set like napkin, forks, knife, spoon, glass with ice, with tea. You know, if there was a salad, the salad plates were already there. Like it was a set table. That was just, she just liked that. That's how I, it's probably how she grew up. And so we did that. And so I was table boy and had to set the table. And and we we had this silverware and my mom had bought this silverware and it was in two batches. She bought the original batch and then when she had to replace it some years later, she bought a second batch. And what I noticed as the table boy is that the original batch was a little better quality. It was a little, the edges, like the, the, the machined steel, like, you know, this was whatever, 1960s and 70s. Um, you know, in the 1900s. Um, but you know, I, I could tell that there were, there were higher quality and lower quality, you know, I don't know if it was the steel was different or if it was the machine was cutting more smoothly. Maybe the, the batch that she bought the second batch was, was machined with a little rougher machine and it just didn't feel as good in the hand. And as I would set the table, I would always make sure I got the best silverware and would give other people the crappy silverware. Now, you may look and say, wow, Phil, that's, um, you know, again, not at Hitler level evil. Agreed. But just look at the impulse there. 
The impulse wasn't selflessness. The impulse wasn't me going, no, I'll give my mother who really has given her whole life to my existence. I'll give it to my father who's worked a long day at a job to provide for us. I'll give it to my older brothers because I'm sure their lives are more complex and complicated and, and that they're facing bigger trials in the day with their social pressures. I didn't do any of that. I went, this feels good in my hand. I'll take it for myself. Like there was, there was not even a question in my mind that I was going to give myself the best stuff. And again, no one even knew that. Not true confessions. No one knew that. But I knew as I held that spoon that it was just a little thicker and more rounded in my hand than the other spoons. And and I I thought to myself, you know, wow, I, I took that for myself. And it's just, that was, there was no hesitation. There was no hesitation to do that. I'll take the better thing for myself and not give it to the other people who, and these are not strangers. These are people who are, who take care of me, who are kind to me, who love me. And I'll have, I'll have the best for myself. I, I take that not again, not to say I'm sitting around many years later, feeling horrible guilt over this it is a freaking spoon. I don't care, but, but it's, it's emblematic of my instincts. And that's the thing that I think you have to look at when we talk about uh, all this. And again, my friend, Jeff, who asked this, he didn't use the word nature, but I'm using the word nature to say, ah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go after what's best for me. If, if I'm not actively trying to undo that, you know, the, what is it, the David Foster Wallace, this is water thing. You know, he calls it our default wiring. Okay, fine. You can call again, you can couch the terms however you wish. But I don't think you can avoid asking the question, who am I really looking out for unless I actively work otherwise to, to think about other people? I'm, I'm looking out for myself. That's, that's what I do. That's what I do. I take care of Phil, baby. That's what I do. So that, that's, that's my thought. And, and to the rest of the question, like how have the last hundred years or even the last few years, I don't think it matters because I taught history for a, a minute. I taught history for a couple of years to middle schoolers and I taught American history and world history and, and history is just ugly, man. <laughs> you look at history and, and not only is it ugly, but it's cyclical. That's what's so funny is we don't, you know, we don't learn any lessons from history. Um, at least they don't stick in the long run. I, all my history teacher friends, I know you know what I'm talking about. And, and I, and I think you still keep fighting the good fight and you still keep teaching kids history. But I think you have to look at history and say, we don't, we don't generally make good on this. We may learn something for a minute, or there may be people who figure out the lesson and go, this is right. And that's wrong. But as I mean, again, as a species, I, I mean, I, you know, my favorite thing was I had a professor in college who was talking about the, the shift from modernism like the romanticism to modernism to postmodernism. And, you know, and, and he basically said, you know, the whole world, when World War I came around, you know, this was, this was, this is the post Nietzsche, God is dead and we have killed him. Like we were pretty convinced we were, we had, you know, we'd had the enlightenment and romanticism. We, we, we pretty sure we'd accomplished everything and we were sort of unstoppable and we were great. And then we have World War One, and we, we, we think, oh man, I can't believe we did this. And he described it as like the whole world had a nervous breakdown because they, we really didn't think we were capable of doing that. We really thought we were too smart to go to a war 
that that spans many many countries and kills off a generation of boys like we just didn't think we were dumb enough to do that and then what's what's funny you know funny like a tumor what's funny is that well then we turned around you know less than 20 years later and started marching towards and started doing the same thing again only on a grander scale and now we can drop a bomb that you know sort of vaporizes 100,000 people instantaneously like we we really just i think just the last 100 years yeah the last 100 years not looking so great and and with those as the you know if we think to ourselves well we're getting better and better over time you know every day in every way i am getting better and better mm, i'm not sure about that i'm not sure about that so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it matters what scale you look at. You can look at five years, ten years, a hundred years, a thousand years. I, I think the fact of the matter is, is because I think it is inherent. I think it is baked in. It is our default wiring, whether you want to call it biological or metaphysical, is irrelevant to me because I think it all points to we're we're pretty selfish. We're pretty selfish. Ah, you know, that's that's how it looks from where I'm sitting. But I, as I say this, okay, as I say this, what, what what scares me is that people are like, wow, okay, so first of all, great first episode. Let's just be as depressing as possible. <laughs> I do, I, I'm not trying to be depressing, and I'm not depressed. That's what's funny is I don't, I, I'm not depressed by this information. It, it can, you know, momentarily you can go, that's a drag, or if something, somebody's selfishness or somebody's brutality hits you, obviously that hurts. But in a way, it's sort of freeing to me to look and go, well, of course, this is what we're doing. Not in a resigned way. I'm still going to try to, you know, stand against the, the tide. And, and it, again, though I don't get it right as often as I'd like to, I'm going to try to not be a jerk all the time. But I, and I think we fight for that. But I, I, <laughs> I think it, it, it's actually it's helpful to look and call it like it is and just say, well, that's that's how it goes. That's how we behave, like it or not. That's what we do. So, you know, I, I, I hope that is not super depressing for everyone. I, I, you know, I hope this doesn't uh, ruin your digestion of your, of your turkey. I don't know when, when you're listening to this. Uh, I don't know when I'll post it. Maybe, I, maybe it won't be posted till you know, later. But I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as negative as you think. I think it's realistic. And I think the realism of it allows me to more freely step in and try to make it better. And, and, oh, and here's the big thing is it allows me to apologize when I screw up because I'm not trying to defend some image of myself as being good and perfect. I kind of am able to go, look, I'm sorry. I blew that. I, I, I did it again and I was not nice. And can you forgive me? Like, I think accepting that, that that's who we are actually then lends itself to us hopefully making it right. But if I tell myself I'm good, then what I have to do is I have to constantly avoid apologizing because then if I apologize, that's admitting I did something wrong. And if I admit I did something wrong, then I must be bad. And I'm too busy trying to tell myself I'm actually good. Do you, I, don't, I hope that makes sense. But like, I, I just think this enables me, it frees me in a way to go, you know what, I probably will screw up and then I can say I'm sorry. Not to abuse that kindness, but that's what I'm going to do. So there you go. That's uh, that's the answer to Jeff's question. Uh, long rambling answer, but that's how I roll. Long rambling answers. 
and I figure uh, if you've stayed this long, then uh, you and I uh, are like deep codependent friends or you're related to me and feel obligated or something. But uh, I appreciate you listening to The Bitter End if you have. And, and I, I hope that you'll come back again and uh, maybe we'll have a lighter topic to discuss or maybe we won't. But, you know, hey, it's OK. It's good to think about things. And like I said, I, I also want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving and I hope that you're having a great day stuffing yourself with delicious things uh, soaked and crusted in butter. And uh, you have a wonderful time with people that you actually like. And I hope that that uh, weirdo in your family who always messes up the the mealtime and says the wrong thing is uh, strangely silent today. And you can enjoy your time together. But uh, thanks for coming in, listening to, to, my, to my thoughts. And uh, as, as always, I want to remind you that uh, I am not an expert on anything. I'm just a guy trying to figure out the world he lives in and hopefully leave it a better place than he found it, if possible. So with that said, I wish peace and love to everyone.